0: Saving Thousands is brought to support you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding, Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West
1: Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at
0: 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. And thanks to you and great radio stations like the one you're listening to right now, we're on over 80 radio stations across the Southeast. It all started eight years ago with one station in Orlando, Florida. And now we are on our way to 100 stations strong. We're getting close. We'll be there before you know it. And you can also hear Robert 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on the Robert Palmer channel, carried on iHeart. That's right, just go to iHeart, go up there on the search engine, just put in the name, Robert Palmer, and before you know it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can be listening to these shows that have been archived from our eight years of radio content. So what's up today? Well, today we're going to be talking about the student loan debacle. How did it happen? And maybe there's some remedy to it for you. Yes, indeed, maybe there is a way that you can save. Hey, we'll go over the Saving Thousands rules to success. If you use those rules, you will benefit, there's no doubt about it. We're going to give you some credit card information and background to further empower you and to also probably help your credit score along the way. And then we're going to be talking about the Home Value Hotline, a free service from the Robert Palmer family of companies. Now the Home Value Hotline has been designed to give you the most accurate gauge of your home value. Much more accurate than any other tool that's being offered to you. And most of those other tools are simply big businesses trying to harvest your name to sell it to people who are in the real estate or associated industries. Wow. All right, let's get back to the student loan thing. It was six years ago on this very radio show that Robert Palmer said, well, the housing crunch is bad, but you just wait till we get to the student loan crunch. And you know what it's gotten worse than even Robert thought Robert what about these student loans yeah this uh, this student loan
1: thing is, is crazy just, uh, so we let me I, I still give a little background but uh, what what excited me is the Department of Education uh, came out with what hopefully will be some uh, some relief uh, it's been coming uh, we're going to talk about what I think kind of created the student loan bubble because it, it, the way I look at it it's an almost exact replica of the uh, of the mortgage bubble. And it looks like some of the uh, same defenses that people were able to use who had problems with their mortgages may come into line with student loans. So before we get into this possible relief, which could mean some people's student loans actually being wiped away, uh, which would be pretty awesome. Right, Rob? I mean,
0: that would be, again,
1: depending on the circumstances. And that's what we're going to talk about. So first, let me let me kind of run through the parallels of of student loans and subprime mortgages. Right. So everybody's aware of the. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the disaster created by subprime mortgages and the housing crisis and everything else. And uh, what I will tell you is uh, I know from, from experience, from people I personally knew who were in the mortgage business, a lot of folks who used to sell subprime mortgages uh, made the transition to for-profit colleges selling people student loans uh, after the uh, financial meltdown happened and they couldn't make the fast money in the mortgage business anymore. And so you had a lot of these same despicable tactics that were being used in the mortgage industry back in the heyday, in the subprime days, that were trapping borrowers in toxic mortgages. All those folks took those honed skills of deception and went over to work for for-profit colleges. Mm-hmm. And one of these big for-profit colleges, Corinthian, uh, you know, blew up uh, earlier this year. All right, Rob, did you hear about this?
0: Yeah, I did. And I can remember, Robert, if you want to go back six years, you did an entire hour program on the early network days when we were together on the fact that a lot of these so-called colleges would bait and switch you by saying, we're going to give you a brand new computer. We're going to get you a laptop that's unbelievable, and all you have to do is sign up for this college. But the college wasn't much.
1: Absolutely. It, it, it was crazy. You know, when I talked about this and apparently no one listened, you know, no one at the Department of Education listened to me six years ago when I was ranting and raving on the radio about how this was going to be the next bubble. And I could see that the same practices that had been used in mortgages were now being used in student loans and and, and the writing was on the wall. And so Corinthian, uh, you know, which owned Everest and a bunch of other colleges, uh, you know, they, they got popped because they were falsifying their placement uh, numbers, you know, what percentage of people were landing jobs. Uh, in one particular example, there was a graduate who went to work at Taco Bell, and they counted that as a successfully placed job tied to the student's training. Uh, you know, I mean, th- this is this is the type of stuff that was discovered. And, and so what happened is, because the Department of Education uh, did not listen to me six years ago, uh, Corinthian gave out $3.5 billion worth of student loans over the last five years. Billion. Okay billion $3.5 billion. So you have a for-profit college who was lying about placement rates and lying about the benefits of going to their school, using all of these old subprime mortgage techniques. You know, all these guys who honed their skills, taking advantage of people with toxic mortgages, all went to work selling now student loans at for-profit colleges, and they racked up $3.5 billion. Okay. Now let me tell you, there is no house to foreclose on, uh, and most of these people ended up with not much of an education, uh, according to reports now coming out. Uh, so that three and a half billion bucks is, is pretty much wasted, and it all went into Corinthians' pockets so they could get rich. You know, one of the things I pointed out uh, when I, I talked about this years ago, Rob, is that the president of a, a for-profit college was making like ten times the salary of the president of Harvard. Right. Because they're they're just they were making that much money. They were taking such advantage of students. So here's what's going on now. And I think this is intriguing. And so I'm actually going to assemble all of my attorneys and we're going to have a conversation about this. So apparently there is a phrase, there is a clause in the promissory note. Of a student loan, and and I don't have one of these. I would like to get my hands on one. Uh, if any of our listeners maybe have a student loan promissory note that they wouldn't mind sending to me, you can cross out personal information or whatever. But what I'm looking for uh, is, according to some research I did, there is a, a phrase that says, uh, in some cases, you may assert as a defense against collection of your loan that the school did something wrong. Now, that doesn't seem like – it's in quotes where I found it in the article, but that doesn't sound like normal legalese to me, so I'm guessing that's not exactly what it says on the the note, the promissory note. But the idea here is that if your school broke the law, if your school committed fraud, if your school deceived you, you may be able to sue and have your student loan discharged. Okay, Rob? So what the what brought this to light is that the, the Department of Education has come out and they've identified around 40,000 people who they feel uh, fit this criteria who yeah. were Corinthian students. And they're going to get $544 million worth of student loans forgiven to this group. Now, remember, Corinthian had a total of $3.5 So the, the initial 40,000, I think, is the kind of final round of students, the most recent round of students. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure right now on uh, the Department of Education to do something for everyone. Now, the downside to this is, Rob, where's that three and a half billion dollars going to come from? It's going to come from the taxpayer. You bet. You know, so because, uh, you know, Department of Education screwed up and didn't monitor these guys and let them rack up three and a half billion dollars worth of federally insured student loans. Uh, they're one are now defaulting like crazy and two now have this potential clause that the students can fight back and possibly have the student loans discharged uh, that's gonna be a three and a half billion dollar problem for the taxpayers. So uh, I, but I think I think uh, better on the taxpayers than on these individual students, right? I mean, right. you know, we, we spread it across the entire country. We all take a little pain because our government screwed up on this one. Uh, it's better than the the students right now whose lives you know, are potentially in shambles because of these toxic student loans they receive from these toxic for-profit colleges uh, without getting good education. Now, I'm sure there may be some good for-profit colleges out there. I'm not talking about the whole group but I'm talking about the players like this particular one who are lying about placement rates and lying about job success rates. And so I'm going to assemble my team of attorneys uh, and on my own dime here, Rob, I am going to figure out uh, if there's, if there's some other kind of relief here, you know, do we have to sit back and wait for the department of education to do something about this or can students band together with the help of some great attorneys? And I know some great attorneys Uh, And go ahead and fight back now using this supposed clause that's in the promissory note, uh, which, again, if someone has one, I would love for you to send it to me at askrp at rpfunding.com. I would love to take a look at that uh, so when I meet with the attorneys, uh, we can figure this out. But this is my this is this is a new mission for me, Rob. You know, this is uh, a lot of people are negatively affected by this. I talked about this on my TV show years ago. I talked about this on the radio show years ago. It fell on deaf ears. $3.5 3.5 billion dollars in loans with a college who has been closed down for fraud and deceptive practices uh, I would think all of those people should be able to get their loans discharged you know and what about all the people who made the payments right i mean they, no. are they they're not entitled to any relief i don't think i mean just because you discharge the debt doesn't mean you can go back and get your money back uh, bottom line is this is a huge problem when you look at uh, economic graphs that show the the increase in student loan debt the spike that came in student loan debt, it almost perfectly mirrors the type of percentage increases we saw in mortgage leading up to the crash, leading up to the bubble. Hmm. And again, the same deceptive practices being used, Rob, uh, you know, the the same types of, of sales techniques that uh, one of the one of the studies they did on a for-profit college, you know, quoted that they were using a, a sales technique called the pain cycle. Uh, you know, I mean, just all, all of these different things they built uh, to basically scare people or, or, or fear people into signing up for these student loans and, and and getting these for-profit educations, which they didn't really care if you graduated or not. They were going to falsify the placement and success rate records and, and go on with life and keep milking this federal student loan. Because the, the crazy thing is, even if someone dropped out after, there, there's a time limit. It's not very long, something like 10 weeks or 12 weeks. As long as you attend a certain amount of time uh, they get all the money, whether you continue the degree program or not. So uh, this this has been a big problem. I've had a lot of listeners reach out to me about this. Uh, if you've got comments you want to share, the text line is 35353. Uh, and uh, Or again, if someone has that, that student loan note, I want to take a look at it. I'm going to meet with my attorneys. I'm going to see if we can't put together uh, a guide or uh, some help or some kind of document or roadmap uh, to help people who may be affected by this fight back uh, to where if you have a student loan, uh, with a college who broke state law, who committed fraud, who falsified records, which, I mean, from the from the research I did years ago, I, it looks like it's going to be a lot of them. Uh, you know, the other the other interesting thing, Rob, is there, there's some other language in here which very much reminds me of mortgage, uh, and that is there's questions about whether or not your signature may have been forged on a promissory note, uh, you know, that's one of the big foreclosure defense uh, techniques that company, you know, that, that lawyers use when it comes to mortgages. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out and, and how this happens. But we're going to be at the front lines of this. We're going to make sure our listeners are aware of this because I'm sure a lot of them are affected. And uh, right here, I, I pulled this off of the, uh, the, the student aid or one of the federal government websites for student loans. And it says that you may be eligible for a discharge of your direct loan or FFEL program, felt program loan in these circumstances, your school falsely certified your eligibility to receive the loan based on your ability to benefit from its training. Right? So the idea here is that if they lied about placement rates and if they lied about the earnings potential you would have after receiving the degree, because these are required for calculating eligibility for these loans, if they falsely certified your eligibility, because they falsified those placement rates and those job rates and those potential incomes, uh, then you may be able to, uh, and because of that, you would not have been able to get the student loan, right? You know, if at the end of the day they told the truth and said, well, nobody actually graduates and nobody gets a better job, uh, you would have been ineligible for the student loan. And so that's one clause you can use uh, in order to uh, possibly get your loan discharged. Uh, Another is that the school signed your name on the application or promissory note without your authorization. Or the school endorsed your loan check or signed your authorization for electronic funds transfer without your knowledge, unless the proceeds of the loan were delivered to you or applied to charges owed based uh, charges owed by you to the school. So the big one here is if they if they forged your signature on the application or the promissory note. I I will almost guarantee you there's some of that going on because uh, you know forging signatures on applications was rampant in the mortgage business. Uh, and a lot of these same same players went over to student loan, mm-hmm. uh, so that's definitely something. When I, I talked to the attorneys, we're going to take a look at it and see. And then uh, the other is that your loan was falsely certified because you were a victim of identity theft. That's probably not going to apply to a lot of people. Uh, and then the school certified your eligibility, but because of physical or mental condition, age, criminal record, or other reason, you were disqualified from employment in the occupation in which you were being trained. So th- this probably applies to some people. You know, the, yeah. the, the these these for profit colleges. Uh, we're using no discretion. Uh, and so if the particular field that you were being trained in has a requirement uh, regarding criminal record, requiring physical or mental condition, requiring age, and you didn't meet that, uh, then again, this may be a way for you to challenge that student loan and get it discharged. Uh, so right now, <laughs> the only way to do this is to get an attorney and actually sue. Uh, but they're, the the Department of Education is trying to change that. They're trying to put together a streamlined program because so many people have been affected. They recognize that they dropped the ball on this. They recognize that a lot of people uh, have been taken advantage of and have been harmed by some by certain for-profit colleges. And, uh, and now it's time to clean up the mess. And, and as always, the big mess is going to cause taxpayers a lot of money. Uh, I think you know, the only kind of shining light I see in this is it's going take some, uh, it's going to finally take the mortgage industry out of the spotlight, which we've, uh, we've paid our penance and, and cleaned up our act as an industry. And, uh, and, and this should, you know, this should really get people looking where the current problem is. And the current problem is with student loans.
0: If you're brand new to Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer, maybe you haven't heard about another service of the Robert Palmer family of companies. And that is a website called savingthousands.com, savingthousands.com. You don't have to pay anything and we're not offering you anything to buy on the site. Oh, in the future, there will be some books that you can buy, but they'll be moderately priced, and we may even have some out by the holiday. But let's get back to the site. Savingthousands.com is updated throughout the day and throughout the evening, giving you consumer-empowering information. Now, right now, we also, on that site, offer you archived shows from the Saving Thousands radio show library. Now, there's 400 shows that we've done over the eight years. So we'll be offering you a lot of variety as you go back to the archive section at savingthousands.com. What are some of the top trending archive shows that people are clicking on right now? Number one is taking control of your credit score. That is ranking the highest right now. Yes, there are ways that you can change and improve your credit score. We'll show you how. Putting your credit cards to work for financial benefits comes in second. Third is the various types of home loans and the loan process. You'll also hear, if you go click on it, On Demand, confused about refinance? Well, here's how it all works. Another one that you'll enjoy is ways to save on your house payment without taking out a refinance loan. All right? How about explaining the mortgage process? A lot of people are intimidated by going to a mortgage company and applying for a mortgage. You don't need to be. Once you hear this module, you'll clearly understand how simple it can really be if you're dealing with a company that's open to you. And that's one of the things you're looking for finally i hope that you'll click on another one and that's how to take charge of the closing session at the end of your mortgage process all right all right let's get to the saving thousands rules to success robert
1: rule number one obviously my favorite obviously the most important that's why it's rule number one uh, is to always shop around and uh, again shopping around For your college education. See, we didn't have to think this way, Rob. You didn't have to shop. You know, most people used to go to a state university and it was a nonprofit and tuition was the same everywhere. And you made the decision purely based on, uh, you know, what school had a better degree program or maybe what football team you liked. Right, right, wrong or indifferent. There was no real (laughs) financial decision to be made because, you know, the, the state colleges were all pretty much the same. You know, then obviously the Ivy League colleges were more expensive and people may weigh that. Uh, but then you have the new nonprofits show up, and and they're more expensive than the Ivy League. So shopping around, I think most people would recognize that the online degree from from a, a bad actor uh, like a Corinthian is is no better than a, a, a you know, probably worse than a local community college degree. And the community college is is like one tenth of the price. I mean, it, it's much much more affordable. Shopping around could help there. Rule number two: know your numbers, know your credit score, know your home value, know your balances, know your interest rates. Uh, You know, don't become a victim of identity theft. Monitor your credit report. Know your credit card purchases and balance. Uh, You know, look at the PDF of the statement. Understand how much money you are truly paying in interest every month. Understand what your balances are. Uh, If you monitor your balances from month to month, then you can understand whether or not they're actually going down. Right. The whole if the whole idea is to pay off your debt, you have to understand what the balance was last month to know that the balance this month is lower or higher. And are you moving in the right direction? That's rule number two. Rule number three, the three-day rule, three-day waiting period on large purchases or new debts. Again, someone who was contacted by a for-profit college. Uh, I use this a lot in the early days of starting my company, whether it was copy machine salesman or or phone system salesman or whatever it was, uh, I would always wait three days. I would always self-impose a three-day cooling-off period, a three-day waiting period before signing any debt uh, or making any decision on a large purchase. Uh, Rule number four, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Uh, i still have people out there who who are afraid of having credit cards who think that, that credit having credit cards is an automatic path to financial ruin uh, it is not uh you know just like guns don't kill people keep people kill people uh credit cards are not uh, the, the road to financial ruin uh misuse of credit cards is the road to financial ruin and, and there are a lot of people like myself who are able to use credit cards very effectively uh, and this is the financial ninja way very effectively to rack up points, to rack up vacations, to rack up discounts, to rack up, you know, down payment on a new vehicle. There's all these wonderful things you can use the credit cards to take advantage of the banks, to take advantage of the credit card issuers, and shift the power back to us as consumers. This is how we do it as financial ninjas. We are not going to abuse the credit. We are not going to let the credit ruin us financially. We are not going to live beyond our means. We are not going to buy things we cannot afford. Uh, but we are going to take full advantage of the benefits that credit cards offer when it comes to fraud protections, uh, when it comes to racking up points and getting perks and benefits. We're just not going to pay any interest because we're going to pay those cards off on time, every time before the end of the grace period. Right, That's rule number four. Rule number five, if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, again, just the, the, the simple uh, explanations I've given this morning on for-profit colleges Uh, may save the next person from falling victim to that, right? If you know the tricks, if you understand that part of their trick is to keep you on the phone until you commit, that that free laptop or iPad they're going to give you is going to cost you $100,000 in the long run by the time you pay interest and repay the loan. If you know the trick, that they want to hide your credit card statement from you by having you go to online banking so you don't see the interest calculations and you don't see the interest rates. If you know all these tricks, they don't work anymore. You know, when I was a kid, I remember seeing my first card trick, and I was amazed. This, this friend of mine did a card trick where he guessed my card, uh, and, and as soon as he explained to me how he did it, it seemed like the stupidest thing ever. But until <laughs> I knew the trick, right? As soon as I knew the trick, it was so obvious, and I felt like an idiot. But right up until I knew the trick, it, it, it was working. It seemed like magic. And as soon as I knew the trick, it didn't work anymore. And so one of the main purposes of this show is to expose these tricks uh, so that you know them, because rule number five is if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, rule number six, spread your knowledge, educate friends and family. Uh, if you know someone, again, uh, there are people out there right now who are entitled to these refunds on this Corinthian deal. Uh, there are people out there who may be about to be taken advantage of by a for-profit college. You've got to spread your knowledge, right? So I, I am now sharing this with two hundred or 250,000 listeners out there across my 42-station network, uh, but I need you to now tell two or three people. I need you to tell your friends and family. I need you to spread your knowledge. I need you to educate your friends and family. It's the only way as a society we can fight back. We can stop being financial zombies. We can stop meandering around, bouncing off of chain link fences, not making decisions when it comes to our our financial future, when it comes to financial literacy, when it comes to understanding credit cards, credit scores, interest, uh, all the things that are so important in our lives. So I need all of you I need all of you out there my Saving Thousands army to spread this knowledge, to educate your friends and family, and to bring them up to speed because that's how we all become more empowered as consumers. And that's how we fight back against the big financial services companies and the crooked for-profit colleges and everybody out there who's trying to get rich by taking advantage of us as a whole. We're not going to stand for it, but we've got to spread our knowledge, rule number six. Rule number seven, own real estate sooner, not later. This is, to me, the biggest downside and the biggest pitfall. People who fell victim to the student loan uh, trap and the student loan frauds is are that it will impact their ability to own real estate. Mm-hmm. It will impact their ability to be a homeowner. It will prevent them from being able to own a home and start accumulating equity and accumulating wealth, right? And, and building up to something and building massive amounts of wealth. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't have a solution for it. We're going to try to put one together. We're going to try to figure out some type of relief. Uh, But one of the one of the big problems this is going to cause is that student loan debt, that high amount of student loan debt that we have seen uh, build out there is going to prevent people from owning real estate. Yesterday, we talked about the one point two billion dollar equity fund uh, that JP Morgan put together to to invest in rental properties right through a a big rental property conglomerate. Uh, They understand the wealth being created by owning property. Uh, And they want to take advantage of the fact that a lot of us can't buy houses. A lot of us can't be property owners. A lot of us can't be homeowners because we're saddled with student loan debt or because we haven't taken care of our credit scores and our bills in the past. Or we're just afraid, right? And the fear is the worst one, Rob, because it's so easy to be corrected. Uh, There's no need to be afraid. Pick up the phone, uh, call us, call someone, see if you can get approved for a home loan and go out and buy a house. Rule number seven, own real estate sooner, not later. Mm -hmm. Rule number eight, practice what you learn and always learn more. Uh, This is one of my favorites, Rob. If you're not going to pay attention or if you're not going to put to use the things I'm telling you, uh, you might as well be listening to Britney Spears on the pop station a, a few turns of the dial over. Uh, If you're going to spend your days here with me, if you're going to spend an hour a day listening to me talk and empower you with these rules and empower you with this knowledge, you've got to put it to use. You've got to practice what you learn, and you've got to always be willing to learn more. Even I myself don't think I know it all. I can always learn from others. I can always learn something. I learn something new every day, and that's my goal is to learn something new every day and to put into practice these rules, to put into practice the things I learn so that I can be a more empowered consumer and I can help empower other consumers. Uh, Number nine, share your successes. So this is different. We talked about sharing your knowledge, but it's also very important that you share your successes, right? So when you're able to save money, when you're able to avoid a scam, when you're able to make a good decision... You know, Say you, uh, you're you called by one of these for-profit colleges, and because you shop around and use the three-day rule, you end up going to community college because it's one-tenth the cost for the same quality, if not a better quality of education. You've got to share that success with your friends, right? Uh, they will listen to you on the knowledge piece a little. They will listen to you on the success piece a lot. So if you find yourself saving money, if you find yourself fighting back, if you find a trick and you avoid it, that is a success. And rule number nine is you have got to share your successes, Rule number 10, uh, I want you to have a savings account equal to your last three months of gross pay, right? Last three months of gross pay. This number is constantly changing. As you're getting raises, it's going up. As you're working more overtime, it's going up. This is the only way to truly prepare yourself for the possible bumps and hiccups down the road. Uh, To be a financial ninja, we are never going to find ourselves in a situation where we are desperate for money and have to rely on debt. And if we have a savings account with our last three months of gross pay right there sitting there waiting for us, Uh, we can avoid those situations, we can be empowered. Rule number 11, we're not going to gamble with the essentials, okay? What are the essentials? The essentials are our retirement accounts. The essentials are that savings account we just talked about. We're not going to bet it all on some hot stock tip that we got from our buddy. We're not going to sink it into Apple stock because we think it's gonna go up when it's had a rough and rocky ride and people have definitely lost money there. Uh, We're also not going to gamble with our home if we are buying a home. If we're following rule number seven and we're going to own real estate, We are not going to gamble with our rate lock. Rob, we have seen rates go up considerably in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the people who didn't lock their rate in, who let the mortgage broker, mortgage guy, talk them out of the rate lock. Oh, float the rate. I got a feeling things are going to get better. Uh, All those people are now staring down significantly higher payments. And in some cases, it can actually cost you your ability to buy the home at all. If interest rates move up too high and you didn't lock your rate in, you may no longer qualify to buy that home. And I don't want anyone to find themselves in a situation where they've they've committed to buying a house. They've gone under contract on a house. They've told their friends and family and shown the kids and shown the wife or shown the husband, uh, made plans to change schools and change banks and everything else. And then a week before closing, you find out that you didn't lock your rate in. The rate is now considerably higher. And now you find that you don't qualify. So we do not gamble with the essentials. This is retirement accounts, savings accounts, interest rate locks. Don't gamble with the essentials. There are certain things in life we just absolutely have to play it safe with. That's rule number 11. Rule number 12 is we're going to check references. We're going to use Google uh, or whatever your preferred search engine is. And we're going to put in the name of a company that we're considering doing business with, followed by the word scam. We're going to put in the name of that company, followed by the word reviews. We're going to put in that company, followed by the the letters BBB or Better Business Bureau, so we can check out their Better Business Bureau rating uh, and see if they're an accredited business we're also going to put in the name of that company, followed by the word complaints. We're going to look at this information. We're going to process this information, and we're going to make better decisions as consumers. Rule number 12. And then finally, rule number 13, if you own or run a business, I want you to be transparent with your consumers. Uh, I did it in my business. I've been wildly successful because of it. When you put consumers first, you can succeed. You can win. Uh, don't listen to all the hype. Don't let the the greed. Don't let examples like Corinthian, just because they brought in $3.5 billion dollars, Uh, by taking advantage of people with student loans. Don't let that let you sway from the cause. You can build a better business and a long-term sustainable business if you put your customer first and you are transparent with your customer. And this is going to be the subject of my upcoming book, Rob, which I'm going to release later this year. Uh, And that is the 13 uh, principles rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Uh, I'm going to get those posted on the website soon. Until then, I'm just going to keep talking about them here live on the air.
0: All right, Robert. You know, folks, earlier in the show, I was talking about savingthousands.com really a great site to go to it is really something that maybe you want to set up kind of a financial discussion with with your significant other or maybe even with your family and we here at saving thousands have a wish we certainly wish more families would share the financial information so as your children grow up they won't be intimidated by finance they'll be able to take control of finance but it's got to start someplace it can't just be giving your kids ten dollars $20 $20 every time they go to the mall it's got to be some sort of organized effort by the family well thought out and you'll be reading more information from Robert Palmer on how he suggests that this can take place not only in home but at the schools as well now something else you're going to find on SavingThousands.com is you're going to find out some very good articles by our research staff and these people work all hours of the day and night writing super articles written in a way that you can understand them okay this isn't high math or economic theory this is easy to read information on empowering you right now one of them that's trending big is getting that first car loan also there's an article on don't be tricked into the wrong credit card oh we do have an article that's very popular on the ills of auto pay another is understanding debt consolidation and your options how about ways people are not shopping around but should be. Another article that's getting a lot of attention lately is FICO, the only score that counts. How about smart investing and where to start with your first $1,000? Simpler than you think. And finally, one of them that's getting a lot of attention and a lot of feedback is the real story of student loans. Well, Robert, let's talk a few minutes about the advantages of having some credit cards in our wallet or purse. Because that's something that applies
1: to everyone, right? So, you know, a lot of my listeners may still be renters, and, and they may buy a home at some point. And a lot of my listeners may have a great home loan that has a low rate, and so they don't need to mess with that. That's good. Uh, but everybody, every financial ninja should be carrying around a couple of credit cards, you know? And I've talked a lot about the the pitfalls of the debit card, and we can get into that, Rob, uh, you know, why I think you should carry uh, credit cards and not debit cards. And again, when I say have credit cards, see, when most people hear... Have credit cards. They're thinking have credit card debt, right? And That's that right. is not what I am talking about. I, I want you to be I want you to be credit card debt free, but I want you to have access to credit cards. Uh, you know, when I first started RP Funding, I lived on my credit cards. Uh, I had yeah. five or six cards, uh, almost a hundred thousand dollars in available balance, and I lived on those. You know, Jill and I lived on those in the early days. I'll never forget this, Rob. I talked about this in one of my marketing seminars. That's right. I uh, we we just started dating. And the the company I went to work for, so the company I was working for failed. Uh, another company was going to hire me; they failed, and that's when I decided I was going to open RP Funding and, and be different and set the world on fire and, and everything I did. But we just started dating, and we're now we're married. and She stuck around, but uh, you know I I remember I remember we were in my house, and like I got the call that the company that I was going to go work for had just gone under as well. Oh. and actually I lost a bunch of money on that deal. Um, I had I had fronted some expenses, right? So when they hired me to open an office for them. And so I went ahead and signed some leases and bought some equipment and did some things and I never got any of that money back. So this was oh. this was kind of tough. And uh, and so in order to start RP funding, I had to liquidate all of my personal assets and put them in the company and then I could not touch them anymore. And so I, I had a little safe in my closet and I went and opened it up and that's where my credit cards were. I kept them in my safe. Um, I carried I carried my American Express, but the ones that I could actually leave a balance on I kept locked up in the safe. They were pretty much there for emergencies and to keep my credit score high. Mm-hmm. You know, having five or six cards with a hundred thousand dollar available limit. And zero balances uh, looked great on my credit report, and then I would pull them out every couple months and use them for gas or something, and then pay them off immediately, so they would keep they wouldn't close me down. But I kept them in in my safe, mm-hmm. and so I went and got them out of the safe. And I remember I sat them down and I said, hey, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to take this leap. I'm gonna open this business. I'm not gonna have any money. You know, up until that point, I've been doing pretty good, right? Yeah. You know, and and so I said, I you know I have, I'm going to have to live on these credit cards for probably the next 12 months, 18 months. Uh, I said, you should probably get out now and you should probably leave me now. (laughs) And uh, luckily she stuck around and and now we're married. Uh, But I remember that, that, that was kind of a defining moment. And what I will tell you is if I had not had those credit cards, uh, RP funding would not be here Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, being able to use some of those credit cards to buy advertising and and buy equipment and things in the early days, uh, living on those credit cards. So all my food, all my gas, because when, when you have a startup company, you don't get a paycheck, right? I didn't get a paycheck every month. I didn't get That's a paycheck great. for probably two and a half years. And so I lived on these credit cards and uh, it, it was scary. And my credit score tanked. I mean, by the time I, by the time I had the cards maxed out and, and the business started to finally take off, uh, my credit score is probably like a 640 or a 650. I mean, mm. it was, uh, because again, I had, I mean, I was maxed out, you know, when you have a hundred thousand dollars, uh, limits and you have a hundred thousand dollars balance and I was paying probably. I was probably paying at that point 1500 1800 a month in interest you know wow and uh, it was you know it was scary mm-hmm. and and so what I what I will tell you is I I want you to be debt free I want you to be credit card debt free right I'm not I'm not one of these guys that thinks debt free is, is is a great thing because if you can have a, a car loan at zero percent interest you should have that debt sure. if you can get a home loan at uh, a two and a half three percent interest you know on a 10year fixed or an R- you should keep that debt. That's so cheap, there's better ways to do your money. But when we're talking about credit cards, I would definitely absolutely, be on a shadow of a doubt, I want you to be credit card debt-free, but I want you to have access to credit cards. Mm-hmm. I want my financial ninjas to have four or five credit cards. And what I will tell you is the best time to apply for a credit card is when you don't need it. Right, Rob? Because once you need it, it's too late. So, so picture that. So yeah. once my once my $100,000 worth of cards were maxed out, my credit score was tanked. If I needed an additional card, I, I was it was not going to happen. It was going to cost right. It, it, if you get laid off from your job and now you need a credit card to get you through the tough times, it, it's too late. You know, you've know you already lost your job. You're probably not going to be able to get the card. So what I will tell you is you need to have you, the best time to get credit is when you don't need it. And, and so if you're sitting around out there, and, two, if you kind of pack it all in at once, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off. Because right, when you first get a new account or when you first get an inquiry, uh, your credit score is going to drop for six months. Right, right? The inquiry is a little bit. The new account is what really makes it drop. Well, if you apply for five or six credit cards at the same time, uh, <coughs> you know, then then you're going to get them all before the score has a chance to drop because nothing news reporting. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have six months of pain. But when you come out the other side, your credit score will rebound completely, and now you have access to more cards. Uh, and so uh, this is something I think people should do. Uh, you know, I... If, I, if you hit a chance in life where you need that, and again, I, I see credit cards as as a version of an emergency fund, you know, beyond, mm-hmm. you know, obviously yeah, we, we want to live on our savings. I don't really want to encourage anybody to rack up credit card debt, but there may be a situation in your life where you have no choice. But again, you have to be responsible. You can't feel like, oh, I just got all this credit card availability. Now I'm going to go out and refurnish my house and, and eat dinner out every night and, you know, whatever I'm going to go set up at the Four Seasons for for two weeks and, and live in a suite because I got all this credit card. Availability, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, but but there are opportunities in life where having credit is very important. The other big thing is, and the reason I recommend multiple cards, uh, is I'm I'm really big on using cards for the best possible uh, bang for the buck, right? So, like, for example, we do a lot of direct mail, right? Yeah, sure. And so I have a, a Chase, Inc. card that gives bonus points uh, whenever I buy office supplies. Well, paper counts as an office supply. Even though I'm running it through printing presses for large-scale direct mail campaigns, I get, like, triple points from them. It's the only thing we put on that card. (laughs) I have that card. That card is used for one thing, paper and supplies, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You know, American Express has a a deal with their—I've got a a Chase card that's got a deal with Ritz Carlton. Uh, You know, and Ritz also owns uh, Hyatt. And so when I stay there and I put on that card, I get, like, quadruple points yeah, so so you can look at your lifestyle and say, all right, what are the best cards for me? And this is where a big part of this research project we're doing at Saving Thousands to put on the website is to help people discover all of these cards. And so what I what I envision, Rob, is we build an engine where people tell us. You know, in the first iteration, is we're just going to publish the cards. Sure. But so my long term goal is like you tell us your preferences. Like I like to stay at, uh, you know, I like to stay at Sheratons, mm-hmm. or I like to stay at Hyatts, or I like to stay at Marriotts. I like to stay at Ritz-Carltons, right? And I travel a lot. I don't travel a lot. I, I travel a ton, right? And you, so you give us this, and then we're going to tell you back. Well, here's the four or five credit cards we think you should carry, and not, yeah. not not the four or five credit cards that pay me, the four or five credit cards that I think you uh-huh. should carry, right? And because again, you as a financial ninja, we can use this to our advantage. Because I, I've, I, I went to, I took Jill to Rome on on credit card points. You know, we we flew first class to uh to italy mm-hmm. and had a wonderful vacation and i pa- I paid for the whole thing with like two years worth of american express points two and a half years <laughs> worth of american express points so you know again if and if i if i was against using credit cards we wouldn't have had that trip or i would have had to write mm-hmm. a check for that trip and it would have been expensive so there are there is nothing wrong and, and in fact i will encourage and i want to teach you all how to take advantage of these offers how to take advantage of the points uh, but, uh, but do it in a way that, that's really all about you and, and not, uh, again, to really understand the the overall financial picture. Like, you can get so caught up in the points and stuff. And, and while that's a nice perk, that's not what life's all about, right? You know, you, you need a card that has a low APR in case you do hit uh, something where life happens, right? right? You know, you're, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden the radiator explodes in your car. Uh, maybe you have to put that on a credit card and maybe it takes you a few months to pay that back off. Mm-hmm. So we want to have a, a couple credit cards with a very low APR in the event that we have to tap into that uh, and use it, you know, or let's say at the same, you know, you're on your way to get your kid braces, which you weren't expecting and that's a nice little hefty hit. right? Okay. And then your radiator explodes and, and then your wife calls you and tells you she just got laid off from her job. Uh, you know, you, and if you don't have your full emergency fund of, you know, that we talk about mm-hmm. saved up uh, you're probably gonna have to put something on a credit card. Uh, and again having that good credit card gives you some options too you know if, if you've got a credit card with a nine percent fixed rate and you go to get braces and and the financing at the dentist is 20 percent interest then i will tell you you are better off to use your credit card with the nine percent interest obviously right uh so these are the kind of decisions that we have to make as financial ninjas but we have to have the, the tools and so in your toolbox you need a couple credit cards that have the very low apr just in case you do have to carry a balance you need to have the credit cards in your toolbox that give you the perks or rebates based on your lifestyle and spending habits, you know, and 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 then you're uh, you're good, right? And and you got to know how to use these, and and you need to have your cards spread out. See, I'm big, and and one of the articles I'm going to put up once we have this uh, is all about how to set your how to set your statement dates, right? And so I like actually it. I actually use different cards based on the time of month. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm big on I'm big on squeezing every nickel I can uh, out of the the credit card companies. Right. And and so what I will do uh, is I've got cards I use the first week of the month because the statement closes uh, right before that. And so basically I only want to use a card for the first maybe six or seven days of, of a statement. And then I switch to a new card. So I always am getting, you know, most of my cards have right out a 60 day uh, from. From statement opening date to statement closing date is 30 Uh days. And then there's a 30-day grace period. So I've got a full 60 days. So if I only use that card for the first seven days of the window, then I've got between 53 and 60 days of interest-free money on every transaction I run. And so by having four cards that have different closing dates, right? Mm -hmm. So one closes on the first, one closes on the seventh, one closes on the 14th, the 21st. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I kind of, this is my routine. And I will actually like take them out of my wallet, and so I, I carry the card that is, that is for that week of the month, and, and this allows me to maximize the float, right, so that I can maximize use of my money without having to pay any interest. Uh, and so as we build out this list of cards, uh, and one of the articles I'm gonna put on saving thousands will be the cards with the longest grace periods, and and the cards that will let you set your billing dates, right? Because not all cards will do that. Some right. it's all, yeah. some cards say, oh, we only, all of our bills run the 1st or the 30th, right? Or it's it's just the the random day you apply for it, and that's harder to time. Mm-hmm. But then some cards will let you change it. And so we're going to, in our research, we're determining that, uh, how often you can change the billing cycle, what you can do there. Um, because, too, tool, there's there's a time when if you're about to apply for a new credit, you may want to pull your billing cycles up so you can pay them all off, you know, and, and, and get them, get them to show on your credit, right? Mm -hmm. The other Mm -hmm. thing that you can do uh, with this is if you've got these four cards that that have different closing dates, and again, I'll put this on the website once we get the report done, uh, if you do end up having to carry a balance, you can transfer that balance from card to card to card the day before the closing date, and it will never show up on your credit, right? So if I have to carry a small two or $3,000 balance because something does happen, but I want to keep my credit, great, right? So that card where the statement closes on the 1st, Well, on the 30th, I'll transfer its balance to the card that closes on the 7th. And then on the 6th, I'll transfer the balance to the card that closes on the 14th. Mm -hmm. And on the 13th, I'll transfer the balance to the card that closes on the 21st. And then on the the 20th, I'll transfer the balance to the card that closes on the 1st. And and you can just play ring around the credit card with your little bit of debt. And And remember, credit cards only report your balance one day a month. That's right. Statement date. So if you get the money off of your credit card... The day before the statement date even if you're putting it on another credit card Mm -hmm. it's not going to show up on your credit and so you can you can play this ring around the credit card game and you can hide the fact from the credit bureaus that you're carrying a small balance or a large balance depending you know if if you have even if you had ten thousand dollars as long as each card can carry ten thousand dollars you can move it around now you got to watch out for balance transfer fees which there are cards out there that don't carry the ridiculous balance transfer fees Uh, but this this is a strategy you can use to keep your credit score high in this, in the in case that you do
0: have to carry a small balance. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember rule number four in Robert's rules. Rule number four: Don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. And when you were talking about the credit card, credit card thing, one of the largest developers in Central Florida, I was over to his house. And he's got a beautiful patio set around his pool, and the cushions on the patio set, they they say, "Can I pay my Visa with my MasterCard?" The other one says, "Can I pay my American Express with my Visa?" <laughs> So it's exactly what you. were Yeah, saying. I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it, and again, this is this is how this is how we can beat the system. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, now I'll tell you, most most cards are wise to the fact that on a balance transfer you don't get a grace period. Right. Now I am looking for a card that will allow that. We'll find. You it. know, because if we can if we can find a card that allows the grace period on a balance transfer, you can use that strategy to not pay any interest at all. Right, because you mm-hmm. can just bounce mm-hmm. it from card, even if you're carrying a balance. So. Again, we're we're going to we're going to show you some very high level uh financial ninja techniques to minimize the amount of interest that you pay. But uh, I've got to have the research done first, right? Sure. I, because the thing is, I don't want to just get in here and talk about theory. I want to be able to show you the cards. I want to say, "Hey, here's the four cards that have the right grace period for this technique. Here's the four cards that have the right grace period." Uh, that don't have uh that do have a grace period on, on balance transfers here's the cards with the low aprs here's the cards with the best benefits you know i really want to i want to lay it out for everybody and so I my staff is diligently doing the research and i hope to have this out soon
0: so that's something exciting we're working on as you listen to Robert palmer on saving thousands with Robert palmer and you visit the savingthousands.com website you probably spark some interest in your mind of things that you need to know more about, things that would help you in your particular financial situation. Well, we welcome that. So why not send us some topics that you really need to know about or send us questions, okay? You go to the same place at savingthousands.com to accomplish both of those. Once you go to the savingthousands.com homepage, you'll see a line that says Ask RP, all right? Well, simply click on Ask RP and you'll see a form that you can fill out. Now, that could be a question that you've got, Ask RP, and all the questions are totally confidential, okay? We may share subject matter because something affecting you or your family might be affecting thousands of families, but we'll never release your name and we won't release your town or anything like that. But if you like a question directly to Robert Palmer, he will answer you directly back. And that may spark content for an upcoming show or article at savingthousands.com or on the radio show. Okay. Now, if you just simply want to put it on there, Robert loved your show on whatever. I'd love to hear a show on how I can take advantage of leasing or whatever it might be. Okay. Just ask us whatever question you want. And that's by going to savingthousands.com, look for the Ask RP tab, and click on it. Okay. Right now, television stations, radio stations, the internet are all just blasting with news of different people offering you the service of giving you your home's value. Well, a lot of those people, as I said at the beginning of the program, have a hidden agenda, okay? A lot of these big advertisers, they're gonna give you a figure that's based on just a few algorithms. But really, let's go back to that, and let's give you the tool that you can get a true evaluation, because what those other guys are trying to do is they're trying to harvest your name so they can sell it on a list to people who are in the real estate or real estate-related industries. It's as simple as that. All right, Robert, you created a tool that is truly, truly very, very accurate with no hidden agendas. Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. Real quick, Rob. Let, let's uh, let's talk about Home Value Hotline for a second. Hey, let's do. You know, we're, we're talking about a more educated consumer. We're talking about uh, people understanding what they're getting into. And one of the keys to this uh, is, you know, we've been talking a lot about buying a home, getting sure. into a new home. Uh, maybe you're out there listening and you already own a home as a lot of our listeners do. And so if you own a home, probably the most important thing to you, uh, is to know what that home is worth, right? Because a lot of decisions in your life are impacted by it. Like, you know, let's say let's say Rob, somebody out there listening right now that they've they've been living in a house and they've had young children and now their first child is ready to go off to elementary school, Mm -hmm. right? And and maybe they want to have another child and, and the house is they're in a three bedroom right now and to have another child they really need a four bedroom and they really want little Johnny to go to school. At the other school district. You know, right now it was fine, but now they're realizing that the elementary school uh, in the school district they live in is not the best and they yeah. want the best for little Johnny. We want little Johnny to grow up to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> we want him to cure cancer. We want him to, you know, get the Nobel Peace Prize for solving world hunger. Uh, we have all these great aspirations for little Johnny. You know, we want him to be the first president of the United States uh, from your neighborhood, right? Nice. And, and so we need little Johnny to go to a good school. And, uh, but unfortunately, you feel like you're stuck in your current house because maybe you bought it in 2005, grr, oh, right? I mean, that's is. about it's about when you would have bought it, right? I mean, a new couple buys mm-hmm. a three-bedroom, two-bath house in 2005, and Everything. then a couple years 15. later, they get pregnant, right? And then the little Johnny is now getting to that point where he's ready to go off to elementary school. That's, that timeline yeah, works. We're in there. And they maybe feel like they're still upside down in the house. Uh, and maybe they went online, and they went to the big Z <laughs> and got the big Z estimate, The big inaccurate Z estimate, and it told him the house was only worth X when it's really worth Y. And so now you're feeling trapped in the house. You're feeling like little Johnny can't ever grow up to be president of the United States because (laughs) you paid too much for your house, and now little Johnny will never cure world hunger because you paid too much for the house, and you're upside down, and you can't sell it. Uh, And one simple call to the Home Value Hotline may be able to dispel uh, all of those fears and problems because what we find, Rob, is a lot of people's homes are worth a whole lot more than they think they are. You know, the, the estimates are slow to keep up with the market and they're very inaccurate and home values have been increasing. We have seen a, a huge increase in Central Florida home values over the last 18 to 24 months. And so if you want to know what your house is really worth, alright we're going to have a live human being and not a server farm in California, not a, not the latest Intel Xenon double dipper processor. Out in, uh, out in the Big Z server farm in the bunker in Palo Alto, you know, that, that doesn't know what a house looks like. It's just crunching bits and bytes to try to spit out a number to make Big Z more money. Uh, we're going to have an actual live breathing human being, someone who sets home prices in your neighborhood each and every day. The person who is making the market, the person who decided how much the home down the street got put up for sale for and how much the last home sold for, they were at the front line negotiating that contract. This is someone who has their pulse. They have the pulse of the neighborhood. They understand what homes are really worth. They can give you an accurate representation of your home's value. They will answer questions. They will guide you in the right direction. And they do this all for free as a favor to me as a part of the Say Saving Thousands Radio Network Home Value Hotline. So you can call it right now. It's a recorded message. You will hear my wonderful voice. I, like I will it. give you some basic instructions. You leave your name, phone number, the address of the property you would like the free home valuation on. There's no obligation. There's no hidden gotcha. This is a public service because I need more people to know that they actually have equity in their home and that they are able to sell that home so little Johnny can go to elementary school in the Better School District and he can grow up to cure world hunger and become the president of the United States all at the same time. Mm. And all they got to do, Rob, and you can call this 24 hours a day, and it's very high tech, right? I am competing with the Xenon Triple Blue server (laughs) farm in California with a voicemail box.
0: It's expensive. What's I'm the right. number, Robert?
1: Give him give him the number.
0: <laughs> All right, Robert, it's my pleasure to do that. That home value hotline number is 866-222-8231. 866 toll free 222-8231. One more time, real slow for you, cuz we want you to use this. It's 866-222-8231. But wait, there's more, as the man used to say. You can now text that information to us and your request. You just simply want to text your home address and say, what is my home valued at with the home value text line. Have you ever heard of that? Well, you know, we're changing things all the time for you to make it better and easier for you. So the text is up where it says uh, contact or address or whatever you use on your particular phone, just put in the numbers 35353. That's a computer address, all right? 35353 and in the body just simply type in your address and ask for your home value it's as simple as that it's the home value hotline either 866-222-8231 or texting at 35353 well in closing just let me kind of sum up where we've been today we've told you about the saving thousands radio show We told you that these shows are archived at SavingThousands.com. We've talked a lot about the SavingThousands.com website and all the free tools that are on there for you. And again, we've given you a portal to us at AskRP.com. So by now, I hope you're well on your way to Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer.